Hey, it's Pastor Nick from Grace River Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you find today's message encouraging and transformative in your life. We'd love for you to join us online each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. by visiting graceriverva.com slash live. Now, enjoy the message. Praise the Lord. I really want to just take a moment to set this up because I believe God has really been doing some stuff in people's lives. I really do. I have found that in many cases, it's easy to start going through the motions, whether it's church, um, having communion, um, your daily lives. How many have already found yourself, even through this whole pandemic, you're already in another you got your schedules down. You, you know when you're going to be isolated and when to put on a mask. Okay, true confessions. How many have just got out of your car and walked in the store and forgot your mask? I did that the other day, and I was walking around Eckerd's drugstore, and people were just, like, staring at me. And I'm like, am I in my dress? I mean, everybody's staring at me like something's wrong with me. And I get to the cash register, and I look in the plexiglass shield, and realize I don't have a mask on. And then I fell into forgive me mode to everybody around me. Please forgive me. I left my mask in the car. I mean, that's become a natural part of our routine, right? Why? Because we're like that. No matter what changes take place, we can easily fall into routines. And, and I just want to speak on this this morning because I'm telling you, what God is calling us to is not a routine. What God is calling us to is a powerful life in him that only he can give. As a matter of fact, we've talked about God's plan for our life in multiple scenarios. And uh, many, many weeks ago, we talked about the fact that he wants to save us, the plan of salvation. He wants to save us. He wants to heal us. And I I say this often because I, I, I think we resist it sometimes. But there's stuff in all of you whether it's from your past or something that's happened last week, there's something in all of us that God's trying to heal. And sometimes it happens that fast, but not most times. And and a lot of times it's the process. How many have understood that sometimes it takes life issues to even bring that stuff to the surface? As a matter of fact, I have found that when people start really getting into the Word of God, stuff starts coming to the surface. People start praying. Stuff starts coming to the surface. And they resist it a little bit because it it brings back memories. I'm telling you, he's trying to heal people. He wants to set people free. Uh, This is all a process of being a disciple. You're following Christ, following. There's new patterns. There's new praise. There's new people. There's new purpose. So what happens? Well, you find out that God's doing stuff in your life, and he's equipped you. You find out that God has empowered you, the power of his Holy Spirit. And now there's ways that you serve that you've never served before. And thank God for all of you who serve on Sundays. When we come together corporately, it's powerful. And God blesses us in so many ways. But just think about this for a moment. Between the praise team and all the things that go on behind the scenes, we're not even doing Paneras right now. But there's still so many moving parts just for Sunday morning. But can I tell you that that's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to how you live your life out all week. I don't even have time this morning to tell you about all the sound and technical issues we've had to wrestle with over the last nine months to even do what we do online. Now, I'm just saying that because if we're not careful, we limit our service to Sunday. I want you to know that God's got a plan for your life. Now, we've been talking about Joseph, the life of Joseph. I'm still in my introduction. Work with me. We've been talking about the life of Joseph. What will they say about you? And we're looking at Joseph's life, and we talked about pride the first week. Well, we know what they said about Joseph, but what will they say about you when it comes to pride? Pastor Nick talked about Joseph being in the pit. What will it be when you have pits in your life? Because you will. You may not call them that, 
But you're going to have valleys. You're going to have mountains. You're going to have difficulties. What will they say about you? We talked about the positions in life that God places you in, the, the positions of opportunity or the positions of authority. We talked about that this last week. What will they say about you? Will they say you were faithful? And then we stop short, and I'm going to start reading right now in Genesis 39, starting at verse 6. Because it just starts out simply by saying this. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Now, in the Greek, that means he was good-looking. Okay? He was a good man, and literally, in appearance, means he was easy to look at. In other words, it wasn't a, oh, look. It was a, whoa. <laughs> He's even a good-looking dude, and I'm a guy. Right? So here's, here's what it says, though. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife, now don't forget, Joseph had been sold into slavery. He was taken out of the pit and sold right into slavery. There was no man, there was no way Joseph was thinking, man, praise the Lord, God's call is on my life. I've been sold into slavery. Nothing good about that. He gets to Egypt and he immediately is bought up by Potiphar, but here's the thing. Scripture throughout Genesis 39 and 40 tells us this, but God was with him. God was with him. God was with Joseph. And even more importantly, people around him can see the hand of God on him. And they just noticed something about this guy, that even though he was a slave, his count, something about his countenance, something about the way he carried himself, something about the way he he, he was just able to be blessed. Anything he did was blessed. And Potiphar put him over his entire household. And leading up to this passage, it says he was over everything, that Potiphar didn't know anything about anything except for the food that was put in front of him to eat. Now, that, that, means, that doesn't mean Potiphar was a bad leader. That means Potiphar trusted Joseph with everything. That's the kind of power and position Joseph found himself in. And he said, now Potiphar's wife, the master's wife, cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house. In other words, he's given me everything. He doesn't even know what's going on. Now, can I just paraphrase that? Anything could go on. And he wouldn't know what's going on. Hello? Now, this is going to be a good message today. Are you going to just be uptight for 30 minutes, right? 45. <clears throat> he said, he, he knows what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I. Nor has he backed or kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was that she spoke to Joseph day by day. In other words, it was just every day this constant temptation, every day this constant plea. And he just simply says, he rebuffed her. He did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work, and one more of the men of the, men of the house were outside, that she caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. And so it was when she saw that he was, had left his garment in her hand, she, he fled outside, that she called the men of her house and spoke to them, saying, since he has brought into this house a Hebrew to mock us. He came into me and wanted to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice, and it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled and went out. So they kept his garment with her until the master came. Now we're going to get into the next part of this next week. 
I want to talk about this passion for purity that must exist in our lives if God's going to do with you what he wants to do with you. Now, see, here's the reason this isn't a popular message in this culture. Because we're already at a place in this culture where everything goes anyway. We're already at a place in the culture where you can even decide what you want to be. Hello? Now, you don't have to agree with me. I'm already right. <clears throat> and I'm not, I don't mean that arrogantly. It's not, it's not about my brilliance or anything like that. I'm not, I'm not even pretending to be brilliant. <laughs> I'd have to pretend. <clears throat> but here's, here's the reality. We live in a culture that has embraced anything and everything, and it expects the church to do the same. I heard a report by a well-known politician. I'm not naming names today. Well-known politician. Did the report about four years ago, but about a week ago, sat down with a Christian magazine and did the same interview, and she basically was saying this. Christianity is using young, losing young people by the droves because they aren't in touch with their needs. Now, while I agree we must be in touch with the culture, their needs is the problem. See, Jesus, and, and it, it's easy to say, well, I thought Jesus came to meet our needs. No, 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 no. Not if you don't know what the real needs are. See, some of us think our wants are our needs. And until we understand, well, how do we find that out, Pastor? I'm getting there. Because the reality is simply this. The world that we live in wants to have you conform to what they want the church to be. So it, they don't mind us worshiping on Sunday as long as we don't live it on Monday. They could care less what you believe right here. Satan could care less what you believe right here. Satan could care less that you shout and praise the Lord. And as long as you don't do anything on, on the street, as long as you don't live it out at work, as long as you don't live it out at home, everything's going to be fine. But see, the problem starts to rise up in our culture when you start living it out at home. And, and moms and dads start telling their children, no, here's what the Word of God says. And then some poor child goes to school and and makes a statement in class, and the teacher says, who told you that? My mom and dad. And they set up teacher's meetings because they need to straighten out mom and dad. And you bring the word of God in, nobody cares. Now, here's, here's it's a powerful thing that I'm talking about today because it's more than sex. It's more than temptations to have an affair. We're going to talk about that. It's more than temptation because sexual sin is a part of a process that once it starts, it opens the doors for all kind of stuff. See, what one generation, <clears throat> what one generation abhors and just does not allow, but they slack off on a couple of things, the next generation embraces those things and just holds on to the things that mom and dad abhorred. You give it a couple of generations, and I forget who I was telling this week, but if my dad was alive today, Right? Now, he only died um, 15 years ago. He would be 76, I believe. At a 76, if my dad were alive today, now you'd have to know my dad. Just imagine me, but worse. Okay? <laughs> if my dad were alive today, just in the last 15 years, he would say, no way. No way. Because, see, it's only been in the last 15 years. Think about it. It's only been in the last 15 years that things have become legalized in regards to your lifestyles, how you want to live, what you want to call yourself, gender issues. See, once a gate gets open, you can't close it. And then we all get divided politically. Oh, I'm going there. Then we get divided. Well, how do we vote, Pastor? Tell us how to vote. Okay. Listen. I've got to be honest with you. It's not about being Republican or Democratic. It really isn't. Because you're not, you know, most of us trying to get hung up on voting for a man. You know, I don't like him. I don't like him. You know, I don't know if we like any of them. We need to pray for all of them. 
And listen, true confession. It's hard to do that sometimes. But you want, you want to say, Lord, bless them hard. Hit them hard, Lord. <laughs> bless them so hard they can't wake up for six months. Lord, do something. Shake it up, Jesus. So you pray for them because you want someone to have you want someone to have an agenda that says, let's do the right thing. But now listen, listen to me very carefully. What is the right thing? See, you have to make a decision at some point in your life. All the truth that's out there, what is truth? And we can, we can apologetically discuss that all day long. But at some point, it's built and based on the Word of God and its authority or your opinion. And so if we allow it to be based on opinion, then the church has got to accept anything that comes down the pipe. But if it's based on the Word of God, then that, that's where truth is. Are you, are you Republican pastor? It doesn't matter. That's where truth is. Are you Democratic pastor? It doesn't matter. That's where truth is. Well, it sounds like you're independent. No, that's where truth is. I'm going to stand wherever truth is. Now, when it comes to voting, here's how I want us to vote this year. You ready? I want you to pray. First of all, I want you to vote. Vote. But I want you to pray. I want you to say, God, as I read your word, um, Lord, I just pray that you give me guidance. Because here's the reality. How you vote, you know, we can pray for God to, to change the minds of our leaders. But guess how you change the mind of your leaders? You ready? Change your leaders. Um, and, and if the leaders that are in there that are working, make sure you keep them voted in. Whatever you think. The point is, don't vote your truth. Vote the truth. Because there's no way, you can't, you can't make me believe, especially even in the church, everybody's got their opinion. And I'm not sticking on the voting thing because it's so close. I'm just telling you this. Everybody has their own truth so wrapped up that you can actually do what you want to do and feel good about it. So you can pray and say, Lord, please help so-and-so to win. And that becomes your prayer because really what you want is what you want. I'm asking you to pray, God, what is your will that needs to be done? It's your kingdom come. Your will be done. Because here's the bottom line. Your life is going to be whatever people start to vote in over the next four years. Now, I'm saying that in the last 15 years, if you think life has been turned upside down, now, a younger generation, listen, we just need to love on them, meet them where they are, and speak truth in a loving way. Why? Because they've been raised in a culture that says this is normal. And when they hear me talking, they're like, what's wrong with that old guy? Because, see, I'm considered an old guy. I don't know why, but you know, I know why. So, so what's wrong with this old guy? Well, those old people, they don't know me. They're just stuck. They're sticks in the mud, and they don't, they just, they, they preach hate. No, that's not, it's not hate when it saves your life. And by the way, truth, just because it hurts doesn't mean it's not true. I'm trying to do it in love, not to bash you over the head. But, but to shake you a little bit to say, wait a minute, do I believe what I believe based on the Word of God or because I was just raised, hearing it all around me, that it's okay? You be what you want to be. You live like you want to live. Now, what does that got to do with Joseph? At some point in your life, you have to believe in your mind that God has a purpose for you and that you're not just here by mistake. Let, let's go to that first point very quickly. <laughs> The reason he had this passion for purity is because he knew his purpose. Now, I know we talk about purpose a lot, and everybody's searching for their purpose. Why am I here? But I, I just want to read the definition of purpose very quickly, can I? <laughs> it's the reason for which something is done or created or why it exists. Well, of course. That's why we all say, why am I here? I'm going to read it to you. Ready? In, in Exodus chapter 9, 16, it says, but indeed, God is talking to Moses, but indeed for this purpose I have raised you up. 
Now, he's not just talking to Moses there, but he's talking to Moses, the children of Israel, and to every generation to come. I have raised you up. Why? That I might show my power in you and that my name may be declared in all the world. You're not here just because God created you and you might make 70, 80, 90 years and hopefully go to heaven because you believed in Christ. You see, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, there's a, there's a work that starts in you. There's a work that starts through you. That everywhere you go and everything you do begins to let forth praise in all God is doing. And listen to what Matthew says. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your passion, and your prayer, intelligence. This is the most important and the first thing that should be done. I'm reading out of the message. But the second thing is, love your neighbor as yourself. So when you give your life to Jesus, what's your purpose? To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. What does that look like? Just start doing it. But how do I practice that? Just start doing it. If somebody's mean to you, don't be mean back. When you go to work tomorrow, you ready? If you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you work with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength because you want them to say the same thing about you as they say about Joseph. Man, that guy gets it done. That girl gets it done. I knew who I'm calling when I have a major assignment. I knew who I'm calling when I need things done. And you, you look at Joseph's life and you say, well, yeah, but look at all the trouble it got him into. No, see, what God wants you to understand is every temptation you face, every difficulty you face, am I making sense? Every difficulty you face is preparing you. You know, sometimes when we face struggles or we face temptation, it's like, Lord, please take this away. No. You need to grow up. You need to grow past this. Lord, if it's, if it's not your will for me to, to do this, I'll take this feeling away. No, he wants you to discipline yourself. It's, that's, it's called discipleship. Discipleship means discipline yourself. It's a very intentional process. If you want to do something, you've got to decide, I'm going to do that. Now, are we all tempted by something? Yes. I'll answer that for you. Some of you didn't answer, but yes. Something moves in your lives. Now, we're, we may not be tempted by the same things, but, but there's several things that tempt us, and I, I'm just going to break this down in a few minutes, but I just need you to understand that what God is doing in your life is trying to get you to focus so much on the fact that he has a purpose for you. I think it would be so good this morning if you could just forget about you finding your purpose and start living his purpose for you. Because that really is your purpose. I don't know if I like that. That's because you're still in the flesh. You're thinking with the flesh. You're, you're still singing that old um, Elvis Presley theologically wrong song, I've got to follow that dream wherever that dream may lead me. Well, you'll get there. It just won't be a dream. I'm, I'm saying some of you can release a lot of anxiety in your life if you'll start trying to find your purpose. Well, I, I, what am I supposed to do? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Listen, this is not hard. In the morning when you get out of bed, just start praying. He'll show you. Just start praying. Lord, help me. To, I want to glorify you today in everything I say. As soon as you say that, he'll give you an opportunity. Because your wife will say something to you, or your husband will say something to you, ladies, or one of your kids won't get out of bed quick enough. And, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying life's not going to get easy. What I am saying is he'll start showing you how to walk it out, how to really practice this on a daily basis. I, I, I know I'm making sense, but how to walk this out. Because he also tells us in Colossians, for everything, absolutely everything above, below, visible, invisible, every, absolutely every uh, bulwark and everything about the angels that you've ever known, it was all created by him and the purposes are for him. In other words, every, everything you and I are supposed to do are for him. 
that means where you work. Students, that means where you go to school. <laughs> and I'm not just picking on students when I say this. And I've got to be careful because I don't know who's watching either. And I talked to a student this last week. They've not turned one assignment in on time. Not one. I've shown them grace. Um, and and they, they contact me, and they contacted me this last week. Thank you so much for grace. Now, I was just wondering, am I still going to be able to get an A? And I said, well, let me ask you a question. I said, first of all, let me just give you some um, encouragement. Nobody's going to care if you got an A in this class if you don't know how to spell this class. Because you may have an A, but if you don't know how to live it, because you never turned anything in, you never really did any of the assignments, I, I just want to get through this class. No, see, my whole goal is to class through you. I want to just get through this service. No, you don't, you're missing the point. God wants to get his word through you. But we're, we're, we're living in a culture. I know I overuse that word a lot, but think about it for a minute. We all want an A, but nobody wants to work. We all want to be on the first team, but not show up at practice. We all, we all want to be able to, to get everything we want out of life but not put the work and the effort into it. That's called discipleship. This is not rocket science. This is just pure disciples who were fishermen and, and tax collectors, and one was a doctor, and we're not sure how he got connected except for Jesus. Because I know he had to be wondering, ah, my Lord, these guys are But see, what, what happens when God gets a hold of you? You're not a loser anymore. You have purpose. Because, listen, when a, purpose ha when a person has purpose, get out of the way. Even in discipleship, can I get off track here for just a minute? Even in, even in discipleship, when a person has purpose, you can't stop them. When a person knows why they pray, you can't stop them from praying. When a person knows why they fast, man, fasting, I get so hungry. When you're on a fast and you get hungry, that's why you better know the purpose. If you're just fasting to starve yourself, you'll eat. Because those hunger pains are real. But when you fast because you're fasting and you're praying because you want the church to have a breakthrough or you need a breakthrough, you're not going to get off that fast because the hunger is just reminding you you're fighting for something greater. There's a purpose. There's a purpose that I pray. There's a purpose that I'm in the Word. It's not just to go through the motions. And listen, I, I'm, I know how this is going to sound to many of you, but I, I'm, I'm telling you, it's just not, it's not out of arrogance. I, I, I don't mean this out of arrogance. It's we're just not used to hearing truth. We want to hear things so everybody's happy. Well, you're not, that's not going to work. Because I've got news for you. At the end of the day, somebody's got to decide what truth is. And, and it may not be the truth that you built your life on. That's why Jesus Christ said it as simply as this. Unless you build on this rock, you're building on sand. And it's going to fall. It's not going to last. So he had, Joseph had this mindset that he had a purpose. Now, what was his purpose in this passage? He knew what his position was. So when he's confronted by this temptation, it's not even a temptation for him. Now, think about that for a second. I know I'm probably getting a little bit too open here when I say this, but think about that in the culture we live in. A woman comes up to a man in an empty house. Nobody's going to know. The master's gone. He's out of the nation. He's on a business trip. All the workers are in the field. Nobody's going to know. See, when you know your purpose, that's not even a temptation. When you know in whom you live and move and have your being, that's not even. See, he didn't even have to. He didn't even have to pray. The Bible says he didn't have to pray. He didn't have to say, can I, can I pray about this for three days? I want to know that if it's the Lord's will for us to be together, I want to make, you know. No. 
um, he said, how can I do this wicked thing and sin against God? And what was the wicked thing? He knew what his purpose there was. His purpose was to manage that man's household. His purpose was to take care of everything that he had been accounted to. He was accountable for what he was doing. He was not supposed to do anything else but that. While our greatest temptation is to not want what we're supposed to be accountable for, but we're always wanting something more. And instead of being satisfied with the purpose that God's called you to, you're always wanting more. And listen, wandering eyes can find stuff. So if you're looking for stuff, you can find stuff. But he knew his purpose. If my purpose is to magnify God in everything I do, listen, I'm not, let me just help you with this real quick. Nobody is sitting here who has passed the test I'm talking about. Can I get an amen? Amen or oh me, it's right. But it's not to condemn you. That's why the Bible, we read it this morning. All we like sheep have gone astray. Jesus Christ paid the price. That's why when, when I know I fail, the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 1 and 9, 1 and 8 actually, he says, if you say you do not have sin in your life, you are a liar. You deceive yourself. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, all, all, all he's saying there And when you read the first part of that passage, too, he's saying, listen, God has sent his son. He's died for you. You don't have to live in guilt. Why? Because everyone in this room knows what it is to cross the line. Now, you don't have to broadcast that. You don't have to write a book about that unless God tells you to write a book, but you better be better ready to answer some questions. Because everybody's crossed the line. It's not about have you ever crossed the line. It's do you know your purpose enough that when you cross the line, you say, Lord, forgive me. I, I, I cross the line. I shouldn't be there. And I'm, I'm moving toward my purpose. I'm continuing in my purpose. Why? Because he knew his purpose. He knew as a disciple, as a follower, if God was going to use him the way he really could use him, he had to follow his purpose. Secondly, he knew his reality. Now, I, I've talked about this a lot in our morning sessions. We started something this last week, and every morning, Monday through Friday at 7 o'clock, we're just Facebook Live and just a word and a prayer. Because we've been talking about getting into the word every day. And don't raise your hands, but if if you've not been doing that, that's the whole point. You've not been doing that. So if we start something every day, Monday through Friday, just with a word, a quick breakdown, and prayer, 15 minutes, I think I've been averaging 12 minutes. Yeah, it's a miracle. And, but you start your day with word and prayer. And I'm trying to make it a word that you won't be able to get through the day without thinking about it a couple times every time something happens. And really, these three points have been built off this last week. Okay? Know your purpose. You see, because if a person knows their purpose they'll understand what the reality is. See, there, there's a, the culture we live in has a lot of different stories going on. If you don't know the story, you'll get lost in a story. If you don't know the reality, you'll fall for any reality. Because things really are happening around us, but what's real? Now, here's my illustration. <clears throat> um, if you saw the vice president debate with Senator Harris... Um, it's not not about sides at all, but at the end of the debate, a little fly came and landed right here, okay? And they sort of zoomed in on that fly. None of you here can tell me what was said while that fly was on his head. Now, not a trick question. Was that a real fly? Was that really happening? Yep, not a trick question. Yep, that was really happening. What was that? Were they on television in front of millions of people? Yes. Was that really happening? Yes. But that was that really what was happening? No. 
a debate was taking place among leaders that would eventually rule this nation. And now here's what my wife and I were talking about this later, and she said, well, I, I know what you're trying to do, but it really was a distraction. Yeah, because that's what the world's realities are to you. Because they're not, they're real, they're really happening, but they're distractions. Because if, if, if the enemy can get you distracted from the reality of what you're doing, you'll just be chasing flies. Because there was a part of me, there was no way he didn't know the fly was there. I know when a fly lands on my head. Right? So there's, you know, I just know that he knew he was on national television and he wasn't going to go, <sighs> you know. I mean, he just didn't want to look unprofessional, I suppose. But the bottom line is, you, you know when the fly's there. You know when the reality's real and when it's not. Why do you put up with it? Why would you, you know the purposes you're living for. You know the word of God you're living by. Build your life on that reality. Satan wants to get you distracted any way he can. He wants to get you distracted. And if he can, if he can get you distracted in this relationship, he'll get you distracted in your relationship. And you'll even start to believe that it's God's will for you to be distracted. You'll believe it's God's will for you to be over here and, and doing this. Listen, I've met with people so many times, even in the last several months, and it's conversations like this that I just sort of bang my head against a spiritual wall. And they'll say things like, I'm going through a divorce, but I, I'm just praying that I don't hurt my kids. And now listen, to any of you who have been through a divorce, this is not, this is not judgment. It's reality. He's out of his mind. How can you pray to do something that's not godly, but it not hurt your children? You're buying into a reality that's not the real reality. You bought into a reality that gets you sidetracked from what God really wants you to be doing. What does that mean for us? It, it simply means this, that you better know who your God is. And know what he's called you to do. And that sounds, it sounds, well, pastor, I thought we were saved by grace. We are. Now we need to act like it. Now we're all in this journey at some, at some different level, right? I mean, some of us have just started. Some of us have been in it for a while. But we need to be very, very careful about this reality that we live in. How much time have I got? Seven more minutes? I mean, think about it for a second. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter he says, you will have hunger. There's a lust of the flesh. There's a lust of the eyes. There's a lust of the pride of life. Now, what does that mean? You're, you're going to be hungry for fleshly things. I don't care if it's sex or promise or money. There's going to be the pride of life. You want position. You want to be known. You want That'll get you so sidetracked. And you'll just be praying for God to bless your stuff and wonder why you're miserable. You may have a million dollars in the bank, but you're miserable. You may be driving cars and living in big houses and miserable on your fourth marriage. Praying for God to bless something. You know what he wants you to do? Come to reality. Get back to the purpose. Get on the right path. Thirdly, I'll hurry. Because after we after we know our purpose and after we come to the fact that we have a reality that we can be living for, the, the cool thing is this. We can, be very, we can make choices with great intentionality. Our choices were intentional. His choices were intentional. Straight up he said, no. I can't do this. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to debate it. Now, think about everything you're tempted with, and you start thinking, hmm, should I do this or should I? Just say no. But, Pastor, you know, it's so tempting. That's why they call it temptation. Now, I'm, I'm, I've, I've got to practice what I'm preaching, so please listen to me. There is nothing you face that Jesus hasn't faced. I wish I could tell you this, that I, I, I wish I could tell you that I learned to practice this 25 years ago. 
but God is teaching me so much even in the last several weeks and months through this pandemic that you can't even imagine the work he's doing in you. This isn't about learning how to say no because you're perfect. It's about the more you grow in him, the more you realize your purpose is in him, the more you live in the word. It doesn't mean that somehow you're going to not cross a line. I'm not saying all of us become perfect. I'm not saying that at all. If we sin, we have confidence in that he will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's, it's, when we, it's when we somehow say we don't have sin. That's when we're in trouble. So, so what am I saying then? I've learned that when I live in the Word, and even with this message, that if I start realizing my life has His purpose, that's what I'm living. I'm not trying to find my purpose and my gifts. And Yeah, it's important to know how you're wired and know your gifts so you can work His purposes. Because when I get up every day and I'm driving down that road and I have His purposes in mind, when something tempts me, I already know the choice. I already know the choice. I already know what decision to make. I already know what decision to move into. Now, do you always make the right decision? No. But do you know if you've made the right decision or not? Yes. Yes, you do. You never, you never sin and find out, oh, that, that was wrong, Lord? I, I wasn't aware of that. Okay, I am now. I've got that, Lord. Thank you. No, you know. Um, let me, let, here's how simple it is. And this, I'm not on a soapbox when I say this. But if pornography is your problem, don't go to a computer. It's, it's, a, it's one of those things where, well, pastor, come on now. That's, we live in a, everybody's on technology. You don't have to be. Lay it down. I don't care if it's your phone or a computer. Just, just don't. Well, that's easier. Well, then tell your spouse about it. No, now listen, and I'm, I'm talking to husbands and wives for just a second. The two people that are supposed to be the closest in life. Now, wives, listen to me very carefully. If your husband ever comes to you and says, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm having these feelings. Okay, first of all, know that he's not in love with somebody else. He's a man. Okay? Now, some of you are sitting there, hmm, I don't know if I can handle that. Well, that would almost be like your husband saying to you, hey, um, um, are you ever attracted to anyone else? No. no. Would you rather him be a liar? And, and live in fear and live in the shadows of thinking people are good looking, but not have a relationship with you so close that he can say, wow, I've got these thoughts. Can you please help me? I don't want to have these thoughts. Now, see, I know I'm off-road now because every one of you are like, oh, my God, we're going to have a fight when we get home. <laughs> I'm gonna, there's going to be a fight. I know it. I'm not saying anything. What, do you ever think about No, I don't, I don't, I don't even think, honey. I'm, I've stopped thinking today. That's not what I'm talking about, and you know it. Here's why we don't tell our spouses. Listen, I know what I'm talking about. Here's why our spouses can't be open and honest to us, because we somehow think that they think that we're the only beautiful person in the world, and that when they said yes to us, <laughs> and when they said yes to us, everybody on the planet became ugly. Not how it works, folks. Now, now you're just, well... Listen, if you don't know what I mean, I'll talk to you after church. But here's, here's the problem. If you don't have someone to confide in, you'll live in secret. The greatest rise of pornography has happened in the last nine months. Because people get isolated. And sin is birthed in isolation. Sin is birthed in secrecy. Because nobody has to know. I can, I can do it, and after all, it's just us. But, but even there, this isn't about pornography. Even there, though, what's the answer? Don't push the button. Lay the phone down. Well, I, I need media. No, you don't. 
You're not that important. No, you don't. Well, it's what I do for my job. Then do your job. Do, that's the other problem. We, we, instead of doing so well at what we do, I don't care if it's being a student. I don't care if it's being a worker. I don't care if it's driving a bus or flying a plane. Be the best one. Strive to be the best. You, I, don't care, I don't care if any student gets straight A's. If I can see them working and growing, that's who I want to hang with right there. Because I know they're pressing in. They're trying to do their best. They're trying to give it their all. It's the person that's just sort of trying to cruise and expecting life to happen. Life will happen with no purpose. Am I making any sense? Am I meddling or making sense? There's a difference. So here's how I want us to close today. What is it about your life that you've been trying to find your purpose rather than God's purposes? And and are are you at a place in your life where, where you know that what God is doing you is not about just getting him to do something for you, but it's about being on that path. It's about being on that path of purpose. It's making choices that are intentional. You see, because as I've shared this last week, when you know your purpose, when you know your purpose, you can be very intentional about your choices. But if you don't know your purpose, you'll choose the wrong every time. If, if you don't know why you exist, Westminster Catechism says this short version. What is the chief end of man? Why does man exist? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. What does that mean? To glorify God means literally in everything that you do, do it to give him glory. So how would I end this message to give God glory? How will I walk to my car? This is how ridiculous this is, right? How will I, wa- how will I treat my spouse? How will I treat my children? How will I treat the people that I work with to glorify God? And when I do that, here's what God's response is. Enjoy. Glorify me and enjoy the benefits. Because you see, when you glorify God, even in suffering, you're blessed. And it's amazing how that when you glorify God at work, you get promoted. Now, we're going to find out in Joseph next week, Dr. Bucci's going to preach on Joseph in prison. Because listen, yeah, he resisted, but he got lied on. Doesn't mean life's going to just cruise. But it does mean that God's got a purpose for you, and if you stay faithful to him, those purposes come forth. I, w- I want you to experience what God has for you. Um, in closing, and we're just going to stay right where we are, just stay where we are. Let's stand together. Because here's, here's what I want us to pray. Because I know a message like this, two things happen. People don't feel like they're living up to God's standards. And the reality is you can't, guys. This isn't about you living up to his standards. So people feel like they've not lived up to God's standards. Or they feel like they've failed so much, it's not worth even trying. I have failed him so much. Um, You know, pastor, whether it's a sexual sin or whether it's my thought life, or whether it's this, or or whatever, whatever it is, you know what? His grace is greater. He'll meet you where you are. Husbands and wives, believe it or not, it's not, it's not gone so far that God can't fix it. But it's got to be his purposes. Your marriage, your relationships, now I know some have been in relationships, and, and, you know, we're not going to go Randy Travis and dig up bones, all right? But no matter where you've been, I'm, I'm wanting God to take you from today forward. Today, right now. God, I want to live out your purposes from this day forward. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your presence. God, I thank you for your word. Your word always is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, as we look at the life of Joseph, he was 
tempted by this great temptation, but he knew his purpose. Lord, he knew there was a plan. He can make a decision based on his relationship with you. So, God, I just pray right now. It's not about how clean can we stay. It's we can only be clean in you. So forgive us of our sins. Lord, as we have failed you in, in times of poor decisions, we just bring them to you right now. Make us clean, I pray, in the name of Jesus Christ. But, Lord, as we leave here today, I also pray that we walk out according to your purposes in our lives, to give you glory, to give you praise. Lord, allow your Holy Spirit to lead us, guide us, and direct us. And when you speak, Lord, make us quick to listen, to hear you, Lord. Now we ask this in your precious name. Amen. This podcast is a member of the Grace River Podcast Network. To listen to more of the podcasts in our network, head over to graceriverva.com slash media. We would love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our weekend worship experience. Our campus is located at 5045 Indian River Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or you can find us online at graceriverva.com. Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives.